Our epistle lesson today comes from 1 Timothy, the first chapter, the 12th verse. I am grateful to Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me, because he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service. And though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Jesus Christ. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But for that very reason I received mercy so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display the utmost patience, making me an example to those who would come to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. God, you have heard our wants, our needs, our struggles, those who need healing. You have also heard the praises that were spoken today. Because we know you are at work in our lives. We ask that those in England, those affected worldwide, the loss of their beloved queen, Feel your love and warmth and grace as they walk through this journey of grief and that they may note that beyond her position as a queen, she was first and foremost a woman of faith, a woman who truly believed in her Savior. We pray for those in Ukraine again. We pray for this country. We know that the peace we seek is found only through your Son, the one who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You know, it, it, I still remember when I graduated from college, or was getting ready to graduate from college, the daunting task of finding employment. We've all been there, even if you didn't graduate from college, just finding employment. My father always um, took the time to impart his wisdom on me about how you apply for a job, how you do at a job, you know, if it says 8 o'clock, you're there at 7.45. You know, you've all heard it from your parents. I heard it, I think I passed it on. However, I employed my own child, so 
I probably failed at that. <laughs> Somehow he would leave for lunch and never come back. I, I just never quite figured that out. But we've all heard it. There's always room for the best. If you're the best, there is always room for you. Parents will go to great lengths, go into deep debt just to send their children to the very best college because that's going to make the difference. Or send them to sports camps with unrealistic expectations. Trust me, in third grade basketball, there is not a scout from North Carolina sitting there in the stands. I've listed that. We were very active in sports. And most of them thought, okay, look at what talent he has. By the time they got to high school, they weren't even playing anymore. It's an unrealistic expectations that we put that you have to be the very best. We hear from the world that you have to be, that they're only looking for the most beautiful, the most intelligent, the strongest, the hardest working, the most creative, the most talented. It's the message that we receive through the media. Sometimes we project it on. The media tells us only the super qualified are the ones that really count. That's who we need to put up as our idealized standards. We get told that over and over and again. Those people, I was watching um, the U.S. Open because I'm an avid tennis player. And I was watching what these two young men were doing in the finals. And I have a word for them. They are freaks acts of nature. Nobody can run that fast. Nobody can hit those shots. I don't know what happens when I'm on the court. It doesn't happen. <laughs> I'm always amazed. But there are those who are so beautiful. Those who are put in front of us. But they're freaks, acts of nature for us. They are the exception. They're not the ordinary person. It started again this year before even football season. Um, roll it around. I'm just going to take a minute. Here you go. Go Tigers. But, um, yeah, it was a little late getting back from that one. But, yay, we won. But already... There's talk of the Heisman Trophy winner. What pressure these people live under. They have to reach that standard, and if they just throw one incomplete pass, people are going, well, I don't know if he's really Heisman Trophy material. We set such high standards. I met Miss Mississippi on Friday, and I'm thinking, yay, one of our own, right? What pressure to be perfect. And now, and I started watching this years ago, and to me, this is the one that I really put up there. Let's forget Miss America. Let's forget the Heisman Trophy winner. But the pressures on these children at the National Spelling Bee competition that was first aired on ESPN. I don't know how you spell. Where would I be? 
without spell check. Sometimes I don't even get this right. But those are people that are just way out there that have so much more talent than we could ever think possible. It's no wonder sometimes we don't feel that we measure up. Have you ever flunked a class or come close to it in college? Have you ever lost at a sporting event and felt terrible about it? Have you ever applied for a job that you really wanted, but you didn't get it? We've all been there. But I have good news for you. Really good news for you. There is an employer who is actively seeking applications. He has many openings. He is not on Facebook. He's not on LinkedIn. He doesn't recruit at college offices in a booth. I don't think there is a website, but I'm pretty sure um, some of his independent agents might have one. I have been authorized to offer positions on his behalf. It's not like any other job you're ever going to apply for because there is no educational requirement. He just doesn't care how smart you are. He doesn't matter what you look like. You don't have to pretend to have your stuff all together. In fact, he would rather prefer that you don't. And here's the best part. Everybody that applies gets a job, gets a position. You cannot be turned down. He doesn't want you to send a resume of your great accomplishments. He's not interested in that. The one thing he is interested in, the one qualification he's looking for, is that you have a humble heart. Have you figured it out yet? I know you have. You know who this employer is. He's the most powerful boss in the world. He is your father, the God Almighty. You remember the slogan from the Marines a couple of years ago, we're looking for a few good men. Do you remember that? That's not his sales pitch. As his authorized agent, I'm telling you, he's looking for the broken. He's looking for those who are willing to work. And it's funny how people get that backwards. People think that they have to have it all together to be the shining example in order to work for God, in order to do work in their church. It's like taking a car with engine trouble to the mechanic, but before you take it, you fix it. It's like, Kim will understand this, it's like cleaning the house before the person comes that you've hired to clean it. I'm guilty of that. You know, that's just not how it works with God. 
Jesus said to us, Come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden. He didn't say, I just need people who are happy. I need the ones who aren't broken. That's not who Jesus was looking for. Think about who he spent most of the time in ministry with. It was not the good people. It was the broken. It was the prostitute. It was the leopards. It was that dreaded tax collector. The very low of the low was the tax collector. It was the outcast. It was those who lived on the margin of life. Not the respectable types. That's not who he spent his time with. He got in trouble with it. Our gospel today says that the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. But the religious folks missed the point. It's not the perfect that serve God the best. But those who were once broken. Paul wrote in his epistle lesson this morning, I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost of sinners, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience for an example to those who were to believe in me for eternal life. But as Paul is saying, it is because I was so messed up. And God molded and shaped me that I can be of the most use to Him. Those who need God desperately and receive Him and give their life to Him, well, more than likely, they are likely to give God the credit the work he has done in their life. Writing in his letter to the Philippian, Paul says that is what happened to him. It was because, you know, we all know Paul was Saul, right? I mean, what horrible things did he do to those who believed? And it is because God took him, shaped him, molded him, refined him that he can go out and speak the truth about the gospel. In the midst of our feeling sorry for ourselves, we should really stop and think the struggles that we go through are actually opportunities. Opportunities for God to show his glory in our lives both to us and to the world. That's what we're called to do. You know, some, um, I think last year, probably in the Wall Street Journal, there was a report that the new jewelry trend was a rough-cut diamond. And what a rough-cut diamond is, is a diamond that has not yet been cut with all the facets and polished to make it so shiny. People really just wanted the rough cut. 
Look at the jars that were talked about. They're just lumps of clay before they're shaped and molded. What is that song? Mold me and make me? That's what it's saying. If you're feeling like just a lump of clay or a rough cut diamond, take heart. Our gospel today from Jesus shows that we, the fallen, are the most valuable. That is proven to us in the parable of the lost sheep, the story of the woman with the lost coin. That's what these, both of these parables have in common, these stories. That God is going to go to great lengths in order to bring us back home. Those that have strayed the farthest, he's going to reach out and go and bring home. He says it twice. There is great joy before the angels of God over the one sinner who repents. I kind of picture it this way. When a righteous person enters the gates of heaven, the angels might say, nice to see you. We were expecting you. Come on in. But when that person who has had the struggles of life like Paul, or even worse. The angels say, hey, I can't believe it. Come here quick. This is awesome. You're not going to believe who actually made it into heaven. Woo-hoo. Let's party. This is incredible. That's sort of upside down, isn't it? We think the joy will be of the people who lived the perfect life, but there's not one of us out here that has lived that perfect life. They celebrate the person who repented, who was transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and is welcomed back into heaven, into the fold. The point of all of this is there's nothing that is too big for our God. Because we're not expected to be perfect. But we are called to be redeemed, thankful, and joyful. God is looking for the broken, the rough diamond to be refined, the clay molded into a jar. <coughs> If you're hurting, if you're struggling, if your life is not what you think it should be, you are a prime candidate for God and His power. He says, come to me with your troubled heart. And our life ebb and flows like that, doesn't it? We think we're going along great, and then we run into the valley in the struggle. He says, come on back. I'm not through with you yet. It is our weaknesses that sometimes make us better servants. Your struggle in the Holy Spirit redeeming you is not where it should stop. 
who better than someone who is still open and willing to be redeemed, transformed, to walk out into this world to show those who are struggling that Christ's love and light sits in them and they're radiating it out. To those who are still willing to be transformed to say, God, don't finish with me yet. Who else is better qualified for the job of spreading the good news? You know, I could, I could not help myself when I was researching this, you know, me and the story of hymns. The hymn we sang first this morning, Blessed Assurance. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Do you know who wrote that? Fanny Crosby. She was blind. Talk about somebody in a struggle. She had been blind since birth, since her infancy. But she found that she was going to make one million Christian followers. Some days, she only sold her poems for one or two dollars. She lived a very meek and humbled life. But even in that meek salary, she would give half of it to the poor. She made, I'm sure, more than a million followers of Christ because we're still singing her songs today. She took a difficulty and flipped it and made it an opportunity. That is what Jesus, our Lord and Savior, does for us. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. When we submit and say, transform me, Keep working on me. Amen and amen. Amen.